The text for this afternoon is the passage that we have already read together. After the sermon, we'll sing hymn 37, 1 and 2. Dear congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the experience that I have from my ministry is that people will do almost anything for their health. I've seen people go through the rigors and horrors of radiation and chemotherapy in order to fight cancer. And sometimes it's just awful what people have to go through. Other people will spare no expense if they have a serious health issue and think that there is a renowned doctor somewhere else in the world, they'll travel to that doctor and have him do the surgery. And whatever it costs, some people will pay it. People will do almost anything for their health, and that's understandable. We want to live. We were not created to die. We were created to live. Well, this paralytic did the same. He heard that Jesus had come to town, and he and his friends made every effort to get to Jesus. They were so desperate for healing. So this afternoon, our theme is a two-for-one deal. Jesus Christ forgives and heals the paralytic and uses the healing of the paralytic to show that he has authority to forgive sins. So that's our theme. And there are three things we want to note. First of all, the faith of the five. Secondly, the response of Jesus. And thirdly, the vindication by the Father. So the text is about a two-for-one deal. Jesus Christ forgives and heals the paralytic, and uses the healing of the paralytic to show that he has authority to forgive sins. We know three things, the faith of the five, the response of Christ, and the vindication by the Father. Well, Jesus had been going around preaching and healing people all throughout Galilee. And you can read in chapter 1 that wherever Jesus went, there was a crowd. They brought their sick they're lame, they're deaf, the demon-possessed. Jesus healed them all. In fact, his renown spread so much that at a certain point it was impossible for Jesus to enter any town without people converging upon him. And so he decided to stay in desolate places. Well, now he was back in Capernaum, and word spread that he was in a particular home. And he was preaching there, just like he had done throughout Galilee. He was preaching about himself as the promised Savior, the one whom the Father had sent into the world to deal with sin and to open the way to a better world, a place where we don't have to suffer all the brokenness of life in this fallen world. 
And this paralytic heard that Jesus was in town. So he and his friends headed toward Jesus. And when they got to the house, the place was already packed. In fact, the crowd was spilling out at the door. And there was no way this paralytic could come into the presence of Jesus, carried as he was by these friends. So what to do? These people were so determined to see Jesus that they decided to go to the roof. And in the world of that day, the roof was flat. It was made of beams and tile and branches and mud. And somehow they hoisted their friend onto that roof. That took quite some effort. And when they were on there, they started to burrow their way through the roof. Let's not read over this detail that they went to the roof and dug their way through the roof. Who does that? But they did. And gradually, a little hole appeared in the roof. The house, of course, was packed with people, and Jesus was there. And that little hole appeared. The light came through the hole, and, and maybe a little mud, and some twigs fell down as they were busy digging that hole. And the hole became bigger and bigger. And then all of a sudden, the people in the house, including Jesus, saw that paralytic being lowered on his mat by way of ropes and placed right in front of Jesus. And it's very telling that the text does not say they spoke a single word. Sometimes actions speak louder than words. Clearly, these four friends and the paralytic were willing to do anything to see Jesus. And there was the paralytic lying on his mat right in front of Jesus with a look in his eyes, as I imagine it, which said, Jesus, please help me. Heal me. What faith! What persistence, what determination. And the text tells us that when Jesus saw that, he saw their faith, their faith. Not just the faith of the paralytic. Notice that detail, it says he saw their faith. The faith of the paralytic and his four friends. The paralytic was there in front of Jesus, and I think those four friends were probably still on the roof looking in through that hole to see how things would develop. And Jesus saw their faith. You know, if those four friends doubted that Jesus could help, then when they came to the house and saw that the place was full and there was no room to get close to Jesus, they would have said to their buddy, hey, let's just go home. We're out of luck today. The place is packed. There's no way to get close to Jesus. But they didn't. 
They persisted, all five of them. And that was evidence of their faith. And Jesus underlines it here for us. He saw their faith. They saw Jesus as the only answer to their problems. And the question for us this afternoon is, do we have that same faith? Do we have that same determination? Do we have that same persistence? Do we see Jesus as the answer to all our problems? And do we turn to Jesus in every situation of life with a great and tremendous sense of expectation that he is the one who is the solution to all our problems? Does he see our faith in the crises of life when things are against us and we're down and out? Does Christ see our faith and that we turn to him for help? Well, Jesus saw their faith. And then we read that Christ said, Son, your sins are forgiven. That's actually a startling development in our text. These four Friends and the paralytic came to Jesus expecting healing. But Jesus didn't heal him right away. He didn't even say that he would. All he said was, Son, your sins are forgiven. You see, congregation, people were flocking to Jesus because they wanted something from Jesus, they wanted healing. Everybody wants their problems to go away. But Jesus wanted to emphasize that he didn't just come into the world to help us through our problems. He came into the world to take care of our sin. And he had come into the world to go the way of the cross. And it was only by going the way of the cross and satisfying God's justice because of our sins that there can be healing for us. And so Jesus went straight to the heart of the matter, and he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. He said it very emphatically. In the Greek, that word forgiven is at the head of the sentence. It's at the front of the sentence. Jesus said, Son, forgiven are your sins. He emphasized that. And notice also that our Savior said, Son, son, your sins are forgiven. I see quite a few fathers here in front of me. And I see a lot of sons here too. And I think that we all understand that when a father says to his son, son, now listen, I've got something to tell you then ears perk up. This is going to be important. And what Jesus had to say about forgiveness was important, and that designation, son, also indicates the compassion with which Jesus spoke. This was a child of God, this paralytic, and he needed help. And God had sent his son into the world, his only begotten son, to help fallen people. 
And now Jesus spoke with the compassion of the Father, and he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. It's actually very remarkable. It's a very important point in the ministry of Christ at Capernaum because this is the first recorded time that Jesus spoke to someone about being forgiven in Capernaum. The first time. And why is that so important? Well, who heard these words? A paralytic. Someone who could not even approach Jesus on his own steam. He could not take one step of himself toward Jesus. He had to be carried to Jesus. And I think there's a message in that for us today, brothers and sisters, and that message is that salvation is by grace through faith alone. It's through grace. It's not because of anything we do. It's not because we take steps toward Jesus Christ. Salvation is because God has come to us. And so this paralytic who could not take one step by himself to Jesus is the first recorded person to hear in Capernaum words of forgiveness from Jesus. And what a deal. They came for healing. But they got two things. Jesus began by speaking about forgiveness. And what a blessing that was, congregation, because think of it for a moment. They came so that they could go home with the paralytic again as a healed man. And that would be wonderful. The paralytic would have been very happy to go home healed. That's what he had come for. But now he got something even better and bigger. He got forgiveness. And then think about the four friends. They did their best to bring their friend to Jesus. And if their friend had been healed, they would have been happy for him. They would have gone home. But what would they have received out of it, the deal? Nothing. But Jesus spoke about forgiveness when he saw their faith, plural. And Jesus gave them all something. Jesus gave all five of them something that they could take home. The promise of forgiveness. If you believe in Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. That's the gospel they could all go home with. And then all those people packed in the house, the bystanders, anyone who believed in Jesus could go home with that same promise. They may not all have needed physical healing, but they certainly all needed forgiveness of sins, as we all do. And there's the message for us today, too. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven by grace through faith. You see, our Lord wanted people to look beyond all the healings. He wanted people to look at the greatest healing, the healing from sin. Lord Jesus wanted people to look beyond all those miracles of people being healed from leprosy and deafness and lameness. 
He wanted them to look at the greatest miracle, and the greatest miracle is the forgiveness of our sins. Because the heart of the gospel is that God sent his son so that we may be reconciled to God and enjoy the forgiveness of our sins. And do you see why this is so comforting for us? Even today, if that paralytic had only been healed from his paralysis, well, he would have gone home a happy man, but eventually he would have died. But the Lord Jesus gave him a promise that would go with him even through the hour of death. That's a tremendous thing. That's why I say this is about a two-for-one deal. Perhaps some of you, I don't really know the congregation here at all, really. Perhaps some of you are sick. Maybe some of you have a terminal illness. Maybe you have friends and relatives who are dying. The message of the gospel is that although God does not always answer our prayers for healing as we would like, there's always that promise of eternal blessedness with God in glory. Christ promises us the life that is truly life. Life lived on this earth just to be healthy and fit and go about our business. That's not really what life is all about. Life at its deepest is to have life in God, to know Jesus Christ in true faith, and to have that only comfort in life and in death, that no matter what my circumstances, my eternal future is secure, and I have an eternal future, and that death and the grave are not the final word. You see, that's what Jesus gave these men. That perspective. Well, what was the reaction of the scribes? They were sitting there. What did they think? Well, we read in Mark chapter 2, 6 and 7, the following. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They didn't accept Jesus as the Son of God. They just thought of him as Jesus of Nazareth, and they dismissed him. And that's why they asked their question, who can forgive sins but God alone? And they implied by that question which they were asking in their minds, Jesus is not God. So how can he say this? And the thing is, they were so close to the truth because Jesus spoke about forgiveness because he is true God. They were so close to the truth but because they rejected Jesus as the Son of God, they were so far from the truth. And their disdain said it all. 
because the text says they were questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? Not Jesus, this man. In fact, it's even worse in the Greek. All it says is, why does this say that? This. Another translation translates it by saying, why does this fellow say that? And I think that captures the mood. It was total disdain, total rejection of Jesus. And so they were questioning in their hearts. But Jesus read their minds, and he showed it too, and thereby indicated that he is who he says he is. He is true God because he can read minds. And we read this in the verses 8 and 9. And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. They were thinking, Oh, that's easy for Jesus to say. Your sins are forgiven. We can't verify that anyways. Forgiveness is something that is registered in heaven, and no man on earth is able to discern that. But healing from paralysis, we can see that. And Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, what's harder to say? Your sins are forgiven? Rise, take up your mat, and go home. Brothers and sisters, it was not easier for Jesus to say, your sins are forgiven, than to say, rise, take up your mat, and go home. It was not easier for Jesus to speak words of forgiveness than to heal the man from his paralysis. For Jesus to speak words of forgiveness, and let's never forget it, Jesus had to go to the cross. He had to shed his own blood on the cross. He had to endure the agony of hell. He had to suffer for us. He had to call out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was in anguish in order that we may be forgiven. And he was heading toward the cross. And he was preaching it. And he wanted people to embrace it. And then he healed them. He healed them to show that he is divine. And to show them that he has authority to forgive sins. He healed them. And I want you to notice the words that Jesus spoke prefacing the healing. Verses 10 and 11. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. There's a very subtle slap against the scribes here. Because they said, why does this man, this fellow, 
speak like that. And Jesus said, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to do this, I'm going to heal him. They spoke with utter disdain about Jesus, and Jesus raised the bar. He said, I am the Son of Man. And all those scribes who knew the Old Testament would have known instantly what Jesus was referring to. Daniel 7, 13 and 14. In those night visions, Daniel saw one like a son of man. That's what it says. One like a son of man. Approach the ancient of days, that's God the Father, and receive an everlasting kingdom. This is how it reads in Daniel 7, 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This is a messianic vision about the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. One like the Son of Man who approached the Father and received that eternal kingdom. They all knew this was messianic prophecy. And Jesus said to them, I am that man. I am the Messiah. I am the Son of Man. I am the promised Savior. And then he healed him. And the man got up. He took his mat and walked away in full view of them all. And that is about the vindication by the Father. They had said, this is blasphemy. He can't speak about forgiveness. He is not God. Jesus healed the paralytic to show that he is divine and that he has authority to forgive sins. And the Father in heaven endorsed Jesus by allowing him to heal that paralytic as proof that Jesus is who he says he is. And they were all amazed. We never saw anything like this, they said. Why would they say that? They'd heard all those reports about the many healings that Jesus had done throughout Galilee. Why would they say, we have never seen anything like this? Because, brothers and sisters, this is the first recorded time that Jesus used a healing to prove that he has authority to forgive sins. And they said, we have never seen anything like this. What a wonderfully comforting account for all of us. It's about forgiveness. It's about healing. It's about eternity about who Jesus Christ is for us. 
First, Christ spoke about forgiveness, and then he healed. The healing flowed out of the forgiveness. The gospel is that Jesus Christ went to the cross to pay the price for our sins, and by grace, through faith, we share in that forgiveness. All our sins are wiped away in the blood of Jesus. And when we have that, when we have the forgiveness of our sins, that opens up a whole new world for us. A new world where there will be no disability, no sickness, no COVID-19, no burdens of life, no death, no sorrow. And that's good news. Amen. When John saw the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to this earth, he saw this, as recorded in Revelation 21, verse 14. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. That means that the apostolic faith is at the foundation of the church. And let's profess that faith now using the words of the, the Apostles' Creed as put to music in hymn one. Mm -hmm. 